Hello, and welcome to another episode of Two Hearts, a new Who podcast. I'm Callum. And I'm James, and this is the only podcast that's for all you land parasites out there. And every fortnight here on Two Hearts, we take a look at another episode from the Doctor Who revival. On today's episode, we are taking a brief break from our uh, RTD rewatch to take a little sideways step into the world of current Doctor Who with a look at Jodie Whittaker's penultimate episode and the Easter special for 2022, Legend of the Sea Devils. As always, just a quick reminder that you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Two Hearts Pod, and that's to the number two. And you can email us at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com, that's to the word two to have your thoughts and feelings shared on the show. Um, before we dive into this tonight, uh, I am coming off of an extremely rough flu at the moment. And so I will occasionally have to take little like muting breaks to, to cough and whatnot. So I apologize for the gruff voice in advance. Um, or if it's working for you out there, welcome to the show. Callum, how are you? <laughs> I feel like you should probably uh, just pre- um, preempt any possible concerns by saying it's not COVID. Um, it is oh, yeah. just a flu. <laughs> just, just not COVID, just a flu. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 very good. I've um <clears throat> had some good work stuff going on lately. Um, uh, we ha- we just come off Easter, so you know had a nice break. Um, you know it's been nice. It's been cool. Doctor Who though. Yeah. Oh, Doctor Who though. <laughs> Before we talk about this week's episode, and just to pre-warn you, it's not good. (laughs) It's not good. (laughs) Um, But we do have just a little bit of news in the form of a trailer for Jodie Whittaker's and Chris Chibnall's final episode on Doctor Who. Um, in 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 a move that I think has truly surprised and shocked everybody, um... Two companions from the 80s are making a unexpected um, and arguably unwanted comeback to the show. <laughs> Ace and Tegan, which um, I don't have any real point of reference for Ace all that much. I think I've watched like that one Dalek special um, that was pretty good. Um, and Tegan Javanka, I mean, she's Australian. She, she's our girl. She's our, mm. our face in the race, as it were. Mm. Um, but... Seeing the two of them um, show up at the very beginning of that centennial trailer, yeah. you said you said this to me before we started recording, but like it's it's such a shame that it doesn't feel like a celebration of Jodie's time on the show or a conclusion to that necessarily. It's just oh well, Daleks are back, the Cybermen are back, companions are back. Um, and to have Chibnall be the one that's doing all of this mm-hmm. as well, like oh, I I don't know. I think the thing that, uh, for my, just so we're clear here, um, the trailer is pretty inoffensive in general and does not give any, any indication of a plot or any of any indication of a story for that episode. So it is very much up in the air as to what it could actually be. And it could be a purely a cameo, um, from these two companions, but, and, and the returning monsters as well. But it, it does, if if it is a bigger part of the episode, I think it is very disappointing in the same way that, um, like, Matt Smith's final episode was disappointing in how it tried to wrap up all the 
various hanging threads of the of this his era um and didn't leave a lot of room for him and his companion as well to kind of gel as as characters um nor you know it, there is a, a weird tradition of like really messy like everything in the kitchen sink finales for doctor who um for doctor who's but at least with those other ones they were they were doctor specific like stories they dealt with and reintroduced characters who or who played a part in their story for these two random companions from the 80s to come back in Jodie Whittaker's final episode just feels to me like they have no fucking idea what they wanted to do and so and also didn't trust that they'd created um a, a little community of characters to to bring back for this finale you know we know Graham is going to come back it's- that's pretty much been spoiled by you know behind the scenes gossip but um yeah like i haven't fully got my thoughts together but i'm 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 not happy (laughs) well okay first of all i guess my question is um calling it like the centennial special Mm. right um what what walk me through well, that? Like, cent- what was the idea here for the BBC? The centenary special has nothing to do with Doctor Who. Actually, it's more it's the BBC, and I think it's the what hundred years of the BBC. I think. Um, oh, as an organization, so it makes. But well, that's kind of why I assumed they were bringing back like old companions and stuff, is because it was like, oh, this is meant to be in the same way that, like, you know, what was it? Um, the time of the doctor or whatever yeah, that the 50th anniversary special was called. Yeah. Like the 50th anniversary. That's what I kind of assumed we were, we were going for here. But if this is just like a generic BBC date, um, I think it's even worse than that. Chibnall's finale has to get sort of attached to this, you know, bringing back companions thing. But then, you know, at the same time, like, and if, you, if you've seen me on Twitter, either through my own account or through the two hearts account over the past couple of days, you know, where I'm at with this, but like, I, I don't know why we're still like keeping up the pretense that his era can't be now sort of like understood and, and therefore criticized as a whole, because this is his work. This, this is what he's been doing since season 11 scared off a bunch of people. Mm. Um, and you know, we, we've talked about it many times in our show that we think it's, it's a shame the way that people reacted to, to series 11 and then sort of the subsequent um, change of course that's happened since mm. then. Uh, but even within flux, you know, ostensibly this wholly original connective story idea, it was still just, you know, entirely um, consumed by returning classic mm. elements. Um and so I think when you get to this this end one, I started this little sentence as like, oh, it's a shame that he gets bogged down with this. It's like, no, he's choosing to. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I I just think it's it's the wrong choice. And it's, it's especially the wrong choice for him as a writer because he is, is incapable of um, handling multiple threads at once, especially in a 90-minute special. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Look. For those reasons and more, I don't have the biggest um, high hopes for this episode to be a cohesive and compelling uh, episode of Doctor Who. But it's going to hit all those nostalgia elements for the diehard fans. And I guess that's the only audience they're interested in, in, or at least Chibnall's interested in, in appealing to now. And that's a shame. In the same way that, you know, the retroactive response to The Last Jedi was a shame. Um, Yeah. There. We've made that comparison a lot of times on our show, but like it really has just proved to be ultimately 
quite true, mm. uh, I would say. Um, and, you know, another thing about these trailers that they put out for um, his episodes and his specials is that, you know, I often see a lot of people complaining that they never give you an idea of the story that's going to be happening there. Um, and I, I used to kind of brush that aside as like, well, you know, trailers can just be vibe set pieces you know mm. they can just sort of like set you up for like the tone of what you're going in for um but <clears throat> i remember looking back at that like um legend of the sea devils trailer now where i was like oh well what's the story here and then we watched the episode and that there's no story yeah. um I, I i think that he is writing a series of events and scenes that are very loosely tied together full of things to make you go like oh ah and oh mm. um I, I just, I don't know, like, I, I'm no longer angry at Chris Chibnall. I'm just disappointed. Like, I've fully come over the hill now. Mm. Um, and I'm just just kind of ready to, to wrap up this era, I think. Oh, I think that's absolutely my also my feeling. And knowing that we'll probably get a new Doctor announcement imminently. Um, that's it. I'm just, I, the, the future is bright, but we're in the dark right now. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of being in the dark and coming out into the light... Um, that was a terrible segue. And I was thinking about this, the underwater to coming out of my statue. I've been doing just fine. Gotta, gotta be down because I want the ocean to consume the planet. Legend of the Sea Devils is, uh, episode, I guess, eight of, I guess, series 13 of Doctor Who, uh, the Doctor Who revival. It is written by showrunner Chris Chibnall and newcomer to the show, Ella Road, directed by Haolu Wang. Um, Geomagnetic anomalies caused the TARDIS to land in 1807 China, whereupon the Doctor, Yaz, and Dan encounter the Pirate Queen, Madame Ching, and young villager Ying Qi, after Ching accidentally frees the rampaging sea devil Marcissus from imprisonment. Ching reveals to Dan and Ying she is searching for the legendary sailor's Ji-hun's lost treasure. The Doctor and Yaz discover Ji-hun apparently made a pact with the Sea Devils, but was betrayed. They infiltrate the Sea Devils' undersea lair, bluffing them into inspecting Ji-hun's rebuilt ship, and find and free Ji-hun from stasis under- aboard. The Doctor learns the key to Marcissus's <laughs> imprisonment, <laughs> Ying's gem that he inherited from Ji-hun's trusted crewmate's descendants, is necessary for the Sea Devils to flood and colonize Earth. The TARDIS crew, Ching, Ying, and Ji-hun engage the Sea Devils in a sword fight. The Doctor uses the gem to disrupt the Sea Devils' plans, but Ji-hun sacrifices himself to ensure the sabotage succeeds. Ching recovers the treasure, while Dan attempts to bond with Diane, and the Doctor reluctantly rejects Yaz's feelings for her. Is that what we think happens at the end of that? Yeah, I guess so. (sighs) I mean... Half of that is like, I guess this is what's happening in this episode. Truly. And we're going to get into that in our um, discussion of the episode. James, uh, top of the episode, thoughts, feelings? (laughs) Need I go on? Top of the morning to you all. Um, Legend of the Sea Devils is not good. Um, I, I think more so than... Like, okay, Flux was was shoddy, right? Like, Flux was very ramshackled, um, but the momentum of the new story kind of propelled you through what was going on there. Um, and then, uh, what was the, uh, the... Eve of the Daleks was fun. I thought Eve of the Daleks was, like, actually pretty well put together for a, a Chibnall-era story. And then Legend of the Sea Devils comes along, and not only is it suffering from the same script issues that all of Chibnall's stories suffer from, it is also really weirdly edited together Mm. like it feels like half of this episode is on the cutting room floor somewhere um the visual effects are really off the 
choreo is off. It, I think this is just top to bottom, like a, a really not a good hour of television. Um, and I, I, I don't even have like a sassy fun mm-hmm. interpretation of how much I don't like it. it. I just was just quite bored. I guess it's like a, a, a garbage comet, you know, because it, it just comes and goes really quickly and you know, you don't think about it. And I think that's, that's my ultimate takeaway is like, <laughs> I got to the afternoon yesterday and I was like, oh yeah, there was a new Doctor Who episode today. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, exactly. completely forgot. And maybe that's more me and me being a viewer of this era. And we should always acknowledge our bias, not biases, but um, our general malaise with this era is going to color our thoughts and feelings. And that malaise is very much um, earned because we have watched every episode and we have... Twice. Twice. <laughs> um, this was, yeah, just committed, I guess, uh, one of the the worst sins of Doctor Who of, of just being kind of boring and ineffectual. Not inoffensive, ineffectual. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, like, I I have... the I have good things to say uh, about elements in isolation, but as an episode, it really stunk. And we need to talk about it because that's what we've committed to doing. But if we didn't, we wouldn't be here. And that's how bad it is. Yeah. I I told somebody on Twitter that we were recording this episode this week. And their comment was, um, oh, I'm sorry. You have to record about Legend of the Sea Devils. (laughs) Um, And I I think that's because, like, generally the, the... the tone I've sort of seen in fandom discussions around this episode, which at least has been refreshing in, in this sense is that like everyone was just kind of like, eh, you know, um, like neither offended enough to be upset or pleased enough to be thrilled. I mean, except for the, the shipping community, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, it's it, it's like you said. It just kind of comes and goes. Um, there, there's very little to hold on to, and I do blame a lot of that on the editing um, mm-hmm. because it does feel so chopped up. Your I highlighted one of your notes because I thought it was just your best insight about this episode is that you constantly feel like you've missed a scene, um, but you haven't. It, it's just clipping along at this very bizarrely patched together pace, and because of that, you you don't really form any sort of emotional attachments to the characters. The sea devils themselves are woefully broadly drawn. Um, they're just a complete non-entity mm. from a, from a cultural ideological point of view in this story. Um, and then on top of that, you've got like the, 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 you know, the fam stuff or sensibly where Dan, I don't think says two words to the doctor this entire episode and Yaz is out there just completely spiraling as a character. Um, and I, I just kind of, I'm left here, you know, the day after having watched it, sitting down with you to record about it, been like, I don't know what I want to say. Yeah. Yaz is really doing some circles on the ice, just like waiting to drown. <laughs> I think. Yes. At this stage. Let's talk about the Sea Devils, because I really do want to get this out of the way at the top of the episode. Yeah. I want to talk about the Super Mario Jump. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so he gets set free from his um his uh, stone prison 
doohickey. Um, and then the he's like, oh, nothing can stop me now, Doctor. Um, and then for some reason, a bucket of water does like a stomping ripple effect, <sighs> like it's in Jurassic Park. And then a floating ship flies in, clearly stomping its way towards <laughs> them. Um and when it parks, he, the doctor's like, how do you have a ship? This doesn't make any sense. And he's like, oh, I, it does make sense. And then he proceeds to literally just like Snoopy his way up onto the ship. Like it's just like a still frame moving up the screen. It's a force jump. Um, it's, it's a, it's layers yes, going through space. Yeah. Well, no, no, let's not disrespect The Last Jedi like that. That was a beautiful scene that had meaning and, and thematic weight behind it. This is Chibnall's Doctor Who. Oh. No, sorry. No, but it is like, I use that as an example of just like the sort of the general laziness around depicting the sea devils in this episode um, as a, as a, you know, a one, um, they are just villains. There's no dimension to them in this story. They are literal villains. And the doctor is really contemptful of these creatures that in other stories, even if indirectly or like sideways to the action of the story, they still look out for their interests as equal, um, um, what's the word, um, owners of planet earth, because that is what the the Silurian and sea devil stories have always been about, which is like about colonialism essentially. And in an episode Mm. set in China for the doctor to just villainize these creatures, call them sea devils and, um, continue to call them sea devils, um, even though it's been consistently debunked as inaccurate um, and in fictional terms of the story, offensive, is really, really weird. Add to the fact that they have decided, rather than try and update the sea devils' look, they're just going to make them look exactly as they did in the 70s, fake mask and all. And (laughs) the fact that they have... That is a very Chibnall thing to do, isn't it? That is a very, like, backwards mm. thinking, we just want to preserve the past. Um, we- yeah, it's like, see, it, it looks the way you remembered it. It's so, it's so disheartening because, like... And the thing is... No, oh, I was just going to say, like, modern audiences... Modern audiences don't fucking give a shit. Doctor Who fans will be happy that the Sea Devils are back, whatever they look like. I mean, granted, that's a bit high-minded of me, and I'm sure plenty of people would be like, mm, look, look, is that I remember. true? I was going to say, did people react well to the, um, to Moffat's reimagining of the, um, the lizard folks? Well, I think they, and this is something I really like about the Moffat era is like what they did in that episode was like, they said the Silurians that you've seen have all been in suits. They've had masks on. So like there's a human ish face underneath Mm. and it's kind of like preserving the past and moving forward in a new direction at the same time. And they do that with the Ice Warriors as well, you know, by, you know, establishing that mm-hmm. the Ice Warriors suit is a suit and there's a creature inside. And then they've managed to, like, blend the past and present and future, mm. you know, potentially together in those designs. Yeah. Um, but with Chibnall, like, you know, you look at the Sontarans, for instance, which was an ugly redesign. And it was purely an aid of, like, um, following a 70s design. It's yeah, the same thing yeah. here. And look, I am a Doctor Who fan and it always brings me joy to to see these things from the past in the present. That's that's the, the lizard part of my brain talking. Um, but 
I don't want that as a as a as a, a as a viewer of television and a consumer of television. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, on the flip side, as somebody who doesn't have any sort of um, classic nostalgia fueled connection to these creatures, um, I really liked the way they looked in still images. Mm. Like I think they looked doofy, obviously, because like I think that's what. Well, I say I think that's what they were going for, but it's not as if the tone of the episode was doofy. It is an odd choice. Anyway, ostensibly loved the mask design, yeah. right? Um, I, I think where you start running into problems is that they they kind of did like this weird animated warble effect on their throats to make it look as if oh, they were talking. Yeah. Um, and plus that plus like the, the googly eyes, it's just... You can't take them very seriously. And I think that if you're going to, if you want to do like a really, um, you know, back to practical effects, really inspired by the past look for your aliens, um, the Star Wars sequels do it pretty well, where it's one part um, practical, one part CGI, right? You got to combine past and present to make something feel authentic and emotionally relatable as a, as a character on screen, right? And of course the BBC doesn't have Lucasfilm budget. I'm, I'm not saying they should. Mm. I'm saying if you're going to choose to do this story with these creatures in those masks, you need to find that budget then or yeah. not do that story. Totally. Um, because as is, you know, they, they look kind of cool, I guess, but they're just... And the writing, of course, backs this up. Like, they're very stagnant. And, you know, so on the one part, you've got these these faces that don't emote very well. And on the other part, you've got a script that treats them as Saturday morning cartoon villains. Yeah. Um and it, it coalesces into this kind of like, uh, I don't know, I guess, I guess they were there. Um, I think that gets even worse when, you know, the main antagonistic um, sea devil, he just unceremoniously dies, like, what, three quarters of the way through the episode? That There's no tension, there's no build up to his ultimate villainy. His plan to sort of colonize the Earth by, I don't know, like, inverting the magnetic pulse and flooding the planet or wibbly wobbly garbagey whatever um is one of those things that because Chibnall's writing can only exist as exposition and very perfunctory point a to b dialogue um there's no room for him to explore any of the interesting ideas that could go into that concept like you know forced colonization of the rest of the earth there's a throwaway line about how I think that the doctor's under the understanding that the rest of the sea devils are content to live down there, but he's just, this guy's just the bad batch and, and, and wants to fuck everything up for the, the good natives. Hmm. It's, it's, it's underwritten. I miss that. What is there is weird. I, yeah. yeah it, it mm, it's odd. It's very, very odd. Um, and you know, which is, if you want to do that, sh- uh, sorry, I was just going to say, which is usually a cop-out way that they get around the whole morality issue, like, is by saying that there's mm-hmm. a certain sect yeah. of ice warriors, Silurians, what have you, that are evil. They're just evil. And they, you know, mm-hmm. the rest of them are good, but this group is evil, so it's okay to villainize and to, you know, kill them, <clears throat> essentially. Yeah. And it's a really insidious kind of way of um, depicting these creatures because... and this is a, a leap and tell me to back off back down. If you think I'm, I'm overextending here, <laughs> but like, yeah, that's how politicians get away with like dehumanizing immigrants and refugees is by saying mm-hmm. they're the bad ones because yeah. they've come illegally. And it, yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I'm drawing a, a really big, <laughs> 
Oh, no, uh, look, it's one of those things where, like, it, it's not even necessarily, like, I, I, I'm sure Chris Chibnall's, like, a totally fine dude. They, they, there's none of that going on here. It's just, yeah. like, it's the things that, uh, that the, these these sort of scripts, when you're dealing with these issues and you don't have um, any writers in that room that aren't white, um, you do run into these problems where you start inadvertently saying things um, and... Yeah, like it's something that we've always been a bit like skittish about talking about on our podcast because we are just two white dudes sitting here and like we can do our best to kind of like kind of, you know, represent some of these problems that, that we think could be happening in these scripts. But um, ultimately, like I'm, I'm sure there'll be much better. Well, I'm not sure that there will be because I don't know if anyone's going to bother to take the time to, to really analyze this script. But there should be better analysis out there than what, than what we can provide on, on these particular issues. Um, and then, you know, broadly speaking, Sea Devil is just a bit of a, a bit of a nothing. Yeah, they are. It's it's a real shame that they were just basically used as a marketing ploy to get people to watch. Mm. That didn't really mm-hmm. work, I will say. Um, <laughs> and and oh well, I mean the show's doing fine, don't you know? Twitter tells you at any given moment. The mere fact that I can't even find quotes the day after or a transcript of the episode, which is normally up straight away, tells you everything you need to know about yeah. like people's desire to engage with the story. We're getting on for no tangent, and we do have a lot to get yes. through with this episode. Shocking. So um, let's talk about some of the other characters in this episode that we have. Which um, the main one from? Um, go on, if I may. I do just while we're finishing up the Sea Devils and character arc. I would like to point out that so what's his name? The Captain Pirate from the the time before Ji Ji Hun. Yeah. He, uh, he, he gets imprisoned by, um, the sea devils in like a stasis chamber for what, like a hundred years or something like that. Like something absurd. Um, and because of that, he, when he gets out and he sees Narcissus again, (laughs) he kills him. Um, and he, he's very like, no, I made the right choice. This, this is what I needed to do. He did this to me. I'm justified. Right. And I, I believe that character. I was like, yeah, you have every right to do that to him as far as I'm concerned. Um, the doctor then pulls yet another of these, um, you shouldn't have done that. No, we're not supposed to kill them kind of moments. And when you tie it together with what you're talking about, which is that she sort of is very happy to, to demon, uh, demonize them the entire time during this episode. Hmm. Um, the constant murdering that she did in flux. Huh. Um, it, it just kind of, it, it starts, you know, piecing together this character that, you know, towards the end of her run here, we're really looking at her as a whole and being like, there's no consistency to her morality. There isn't. It, it's at the whim of, of um, Chibnall really. And, yeah. and un- it, unfortunately like there is a consistency in the inconsistency in a way. And what I mean by that <laughs> is that yeah. she will, he will consistently give the doctor dialogue that's like that's bad or guns are bad or you didn't have to kill him Mm. but it it runs in the total opposite direction to what to her like to the unconscious actions he's giving her through the whole episode and it's like yeah and it'd be one thing if they were doing a like you know do as i say not as i do kind of introspection on the doctor um but that's not what they're doing no 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 no. (laughs) because yeah the doctor is always right in every single scenario in this era they're mm-hmm. never wrong. Yeah. Um, exactly. Even when they're being obviously um, wrong well, and we're like interpreting like, oh, they're going down a, a, a corruption arc and no, no. Yes, exactly. Oh, I guess the whole point of Flux is to show that the doctor is actually falling down to some pretty toxic. Oh, no, nope, nope, never mind. Nope, 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 <laughs> nope. Great. Yeah. Nope. 
we, we don't we don't look in those corners <laughs> um my last point on on because i know you want to talk about these supporting characters and so we can use this as a bit of a um a jumping off point mm-hmm. but like um after enacting his revenge on the sea devil that captured and tortured him for a decade or however long it was um the only way that then Chibnall can sort of mor- morally justify that character's existence in the script from that point is that he then has to sacrifice himself uh, to to save everybody uh, else. Yeah. Um, and I find that to be, one, a, a really oddly overused trope in Chibnall stories that like the doctor realizes the only way that, you know, X can happen is if she's standing there holding the button, but it will kill her. And then somebody just pops into the frame and is like, doctor, it's okay. I'll push the button this time. And she's just like, all right, cheers. Thanks bro. Yeah. <laughs> and, and bounces. And it's happened so many times in her stories. It's, it's kind of a joke at this point. Um, but I, I do think that there is a, uh, a cheap, messy morality going on there in that Chibnall will have these characters commit these kind of like acts of very human outbursts of emotions and then seeks to punish them for it after that. Uh, absolutely. And it also extends um, to the little one-off characters that he inserts into the script merely to kill them as if this were a horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. I think that it's not particular to him, but he does do it a lot and it's, weird because I don't need a a little scene of you killing a character to know that there's a big sea monster out there. Um, we know that there are other ways to, do you like the sea devil guy was like, let it feast. And it just eats one little man. (laughs) I, I I don't remember that because I don't remember many of things from this episode. (laughs) Mm, Fair, fair. But let's talk about some of the other characters in this episode. And primarily who I want to talk about is, um, pirate queen, Madame Ching. And the reason why I want to talk about her is because I think it's pretty fucking offensive to take a real underrepresented historical figure, an amazing historical figure like Madame Ching, morally dubious, of course, being a pirate, but, you know, like, arguably the most successful, the most powerful pirate in uh, at least um, Eastern culture. Um, But I think... Mm in the world from a, and you know, from that time period at least and reduce them to a cipher in an episode that they feature in, in and of itself, that's Mm -hmm. offensive, but also to like, then make another character, a a dude, um, be the hero of an episode that she should have been, you know, a hero of is another odd Chibnall quirk. But then also mm-hmm. to, like, to reduce her... And maybe I'm clutching at straws a little bit here, but, like, to reduce her um, main story to being a mother and, like, in a mother yeah. role and yeah. figure, and I'm here to save my sons. Yes. It really rubs me up the wrong way. And it wouldn't rub me up the wrong way if Chibnall weren't out there being like... Mm well, we've introduced all these interesting female characters and we're just reclaiming them from history. And it's like, the only good thing you're doing is like saying their name. That's it. Because you are not doing them any favors with these episodes. And if it leads to somebody researching them and then writing something fucking far better, then maybe that's a good thing. But you have not done the work. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately my issue is that Madam Ching is such a cipher in this episode. Remember Mary Seacole? What did we learn about her? 
Yeah. Remember Rosa yep. Parks when he was like, wow, I've done an episode about Rosa Parks. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard for the doctor to watch Rosa Parks on that bus. <sighs> anyway, sorry. It's, uh, that's a... Well, no, but yeah. It, um, it, it, it's yeah. really weird. It's really weird because it's also like it's not... She is a character with so much story potential. There could have been so much story and she could have been way more and should have been way more central to that plot. And she wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking weird. And we need to talk about it. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, I think the the biggest thing with, with Madam Ching in this episode that I, I found quite odd. Um, and, and, you know, he does this with um, Ji-hun as well uh, to a certain mm. extent. But um, the only people, the only entities that come out of this episode as genuinely evil are the sea devils. Yeah. Um, everyone else's morality is scrubbed clean completely. Um, so in, in the case of Ji-hoon, um, we, we initially, they, they go back in time to try to find where his uh, treasure sunk. Um, and they're like, Oh, that they, they see him talking with a, one of the sea devils and they're like, Oh, he's, he's in leagues with them and he's betraying humanity. Oh, what a bastard. And then we later find out that he's like, no, I wasn't actually, uh, have friends with them. I was just trying to do that to, to save my men. And it's like, okay, cool. So you're, you're actually a good guy. Great. Awesome. And then Madam Ching, she shows up at the, the beginning of the episode. Um, you know, she's, uh, I guess, you know, trying to like cut a bit of a statue off and then accidentally tr- almost dooms the <laughs> world, which is, there's no morality in that. She's a treasure hunter, whatever. Um, and you're kind of like, okay, but she's a pirate queen. We're, we're going to see her being a, a pirate. And it's like, no, no, she's actually only here because her crew and sons have been held for mm. ransom. And she's actually just a really good mother. And yeah. and that's what she's here to do. And it, it's it's so dull as a choice. It's it's a very traditionalist. Mm. I mean, and, and this is Chris Chibnall's writing across the board, I think, can go all the way back to Broadchurch. I've talked about this on the, on the show before, but, like, he is a, a very conservative writer in a lot of ways. Um and I think that really shines through here. What I was amused by most of all is that when she was like, oh, they've got my two sons. I was like, is one of those sons the one she goes on to marry? <laughs> yeah, I remember you telling me that. And I was like, uh, we don't talk about that. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, we don't talk about Madam Ching after this episode. <laughs> yeah, we never talk about her ever again. Um, um, Possibly. Possibly. And... Maybe yeah. they did like try to sanitize her a bit because putting her in the middle of an episode and, and then trying to make a hero of her would be, you know, difficult because she, like I said, morally dubious and is a pirate. Um, mm-hmm. But, but like even, even saying that sentence, like I, I could easily see um, Davies or Moffat writing a story about a morally dubious hero as like a counter argument to the doctor. Like th- there's, there's a place within the very structure of the show where you could tell that kind of a story. And at every turn, Chibnall just goes with a very sanitized version of events. Um, and not real events, even his own version of events is sanitized. Like it feels like all the flavors have been removed from his own ideas. That's a really salient point actually. And I, I forgot that that's what they used to do with historical figures was use them as a mirror for the doctor. Cause like mm-hmm. with Rosa yeah. Parks, I guess it really wasn't that. Um, well, the Rosa Parks stuff is, it, I mean, there's a bit of a gray area there because at least there were actual black writers on that episode. Yeah. And and so there is a lot of genuine emotion in that episode and you do feel it when you're watching yeah. it. It's just the Chibnall parts that you're kind of like, Ugh. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. Even like, you know, they did Robin Hood and they used Robin Hood as a way to like examine the Doctor. Um, 
And he's fucking what a great episode. That was. It's a great episode. <laughs> yeah. That- um. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I want to talk too much yeah. about it, but I, I, I am just um, frustrated by the treatment of that character in this story. Um, I'm frustrated that mm-hmm. Ji-hun, yeah, like you say, is another and latest of a long line of people who come in and, and do the, the hero sacrifice for the Doctor. It's happened so often, and Chibnall almost did it with a gay couple, remember, in Praxius, and <laughs> thankfully mm-hmm. didn't. Um, do you remember when everyone was like, oh, he didn't kill his gays. What a fucking ally. <laughs> okay. He didn't brutally murder a gay man. Wow. He's really looking out for our interests. <laughs> oh, God. Um, there's also the kid. Do we have to talk about it? <laughs> no, I, I guess not. There's there's another third supporting character and he, him and Dan have a heart to heart about revenge. <sighs> and whatever. I don't know. It's, whatever. Dies there. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, by the way. Oh, yeah. We'll get to die in a sec. Well, I mean, we don't have to. Whatever. <laughs> Speaking of dying, though, um, <laughs> it's very funny because one sea devil dies in front of the doctor and she's like, oh, my God, what have you done? And then in the next scene with oh. Dan, he kills like six of them in a joke moment and it's played for laughs. And again, it's just another one of those moments where it's like, why is there no consistency to the tone and ideas of this episode? It is. It's bad. St- yeah, I forgot about that and you're absolutely right because yeah he's like doesn't he take them all out and then he's like I'll tell you how I did it one day or something like that yeah yeah weird after saying to that boy he's like killing Madame Ching isn't going to make you feel any better and, and revenge is not the path and violence is bad and he's just like shing 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 oh I'm pretty cool I, I'm, oh, I'm Dan from Liverpool oh that's right he says I'll introduce you to my mum isn't that what he says oh, yeah that's right remember Dan's parents everybody no. Anyway, uh, dies back. Um, dies had a haircut, <laughs> and she's like, "Hey, maybe I was too harsh on you, Dan." And great. Yeah, I mean that's as much character development as we're going to get with Dan, I think. And we've only got one episode left to go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Exactly. So what will probably yep. he, his entire involvement in the finale will probably be, "Oh, da, I love you. Oh, Dan, I love you too. Let's have a baby together. Mm-hmm. Yeah." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's going to cut to them with a baby in the future. Um, It'll be like, oh, the baby's name is Yaz. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Speaking of Yaz, um, uh, Callum and I are in a bit of a bind with this one because, uh, look, I've tweeted about it from the podcast account. Um, We can very briefly go over it here, but I I think ultimately um, we are both struggling quite a bit with what's going on with um the the, the quote-unquote thasman ship stuff um as as both queer people and as media critics it is really trying for us at the moment um and so we are we're going to be doing like a little separate episode just to sort of really explore a lot of that because we're a queer podcast and we want to get it right when we when we have the conversation that we have about mm. that um it's it's also just it's one of those things where it, it's getting late we've been rambling for a little bit about the sea devils we're both tired it like it's gonna take a bit more out of us than i think either of us have in us tonight <laughs> yeah um so we'll do another episode that's specifically and i think that's a good idea as well for our podcast to do an episode that's purely looks at this queer representation <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um oh, because it, it it does need time and it and i the thing is, I don't think our opinions will necessarily change, but I think we'll have the benefit of hind- of 
time. Um, yeah. To I just want to take a breath. Yeah. <laughs> and to not talk about it so loadedly and and mm-hmm. emotionally, I guess. Um, yeah. Because there are problems, but we don't have to be. There are so over the top about it. Maybe. It's not even being over the top. It's just like, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that, um, sorry, everyone at home, this is very behind the mic, obviously, but like, we are aware of the fact that we are making a show here and we do want it to be entertaining and and fun and easy to listen to. Mm. Right. Um, and the, the thousand stuff specifically is making me quite angry at, at this point. Um, and, because it, it, it's not in the same way that like, oh, I don't really like Chibnall's Doctor Who, whatever, let's have a chat and then let's, let's put it to rest. Um, because it is a queer issue and because it's a representation issue, um, it, it is, it, it's obviously quite personal to us. And so it's starting to feel a bit personal that the conversation around their pairing and their development is it's just getting a bit heated at the moment because everyone yes. is very entrenched in their, their quote unquote side of, of, of this problem. Yes. Um, and th- there's a lot of interviews that I think we want to go over. There's, there's yeah. like, there's just, there's a lot of time we want to spend really making sure that we know why we feel the way that we feel about this, because ultimately it, it's not, it's not positive. And, and we know that's not a particularly popular point of view. Um, and so we do want to make sure that we, we get it right as it were. Um, Broadly speaking, in this episode, it's it feels mean spirited mm. to me uh, to have the doctor say, "It's not me, it's you," or it, "It's it's not you, it's me." Right? Like to to have it be, "Oh well, if I was gay with someone, it would be you." But mm. and it also um, can I just jump on that and say it also feels, of course, yeah, like well, I feel personally vindicated, actually, because this stuff, this the Yaz Doctor relationship as a romantic prospect was it really was only introduced an episode ago and it has finished Mm -hmm. one episode later. And And like there, there'll undoubtedly be something in the um, centenary special. um, But that's one episode left. Like exactly. And it's not going to be. Well, no. And I mean, speaking of that special, actually, that trailer for it ends with um, the Doctor, like, gutturally screaming for Yaz. Um, and, it, like, it, it is an amazing acting performance on Jodie's part. Like, I got chills when I saw it the first time. Mm. Um, and I, I kind of look at that moment and I'm like, are we just about to get, I'm sorry, it's too late now. I do love you. Boom, I'm regenerating. Um, and <laughs> I, I tweeted about this, but, like, it's okay if you want to do that for a straight couple because it's not difficult to get straight representation Mm. um their their love stories are universal after all apparently um but to introduce a queer dynamic and then in your next episode to say oh but we can't do it i i'm staggered by the by the choice here I, i think it is um fucking spineless anyway uh legend of the sea devils <laughs> yeah I think I think that about really wraps up our feelings about this episode. We could go into more detail about the writing and the plotting, which are terrible. Um, <laughs> the the nonsensical plot, the really odd editing, um, mm. the fact that yet again we've got a director, a promising young director, made to in a very Marvel way peddle out some bullshit. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, it, again, just whatever happened here, I think happened in the edit. Mm. Um, and I, I ultimately sort of, sort of quote unquote, blame that for the, this end end result. Um, you know, we talked about when we saw the trailer for the first time, we were like, oh, it looks like they're using colors this time. Oh, and yeah. those shots in the trailer where they use color were where they used color. Um, the rest of the episode is just this like washed out gray flat. Um, it, Can I... There's not there's nothing dynamic. Can I tell you my favorite bit? So the doctor mm-hmm. and Yaz go down to the bottom of the sea and it's very beautiful. It it looks oh, it's really gorgeous. it looks a million bucks. And then the doctor gets down on the ground and she's like looking at the sea floor mm-hmm. and she's like, Yaz, you know the sea floor? And Yaz is like staring dead ahead, not looking down at all. <laughs> and she's like, Yeah? And the doctor's like, It's not there anymore. And Yaz is like, What do you mean? It's like Yes, you have ears. Your ears are connected to your eyes. Your eyes are connected to your brain. It's all connected. Look down. <laughs> oh, yes. Precious, precious, precious yes. Yes, precious. Um, they make her so dumb and they don't have to. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, Yaz literally sees and hears nothing except the doctor at this point. Um, truly. And you can think that's cute all you want. We do not. <laughs> what was the one you pointed out to me that I found really funny? Oh, yeah. So, um, after Dan wanders off with the kid, um, Yaz and the doctor are in the TARDIS and the doctor's like, oh, okay, well, if Madame Ching is after that treasure, why don't we just tell her we've got the, like, well, I don't know what the exact line is like, but why don't we get the treasure? And Yaz is like, but doctor, we don't have the treasure. <laughs> it's like... Yes, yes, yes. She's saying you go should go and get it. Like there's, there's conversation, there's implication, there's tone. Come on. I felt the same way. There was a scene. I think when they go down into the Sea Devil's lair, and Marcissus takes them into the engine room. I guess you would call it. And like they do <laughs> yeah. that, and then for no fucking reason, Jody just stops and they recounts what she's going to do next, and then they do that in the scene. Oh, and it's like I know. I could have just watched the scene and see that happen. I didn't need to have you narrate mm-hmm. what you're about to do. It's it's it it's like I mean, a crutch. That's a, that's a staple Chibnall thing, though. Like he always has Jody running around explaining what she's doing as she's doing it, before she's doing it, and then after she's done it. Um, it it's he has no faith in no. the audience to sort of follow along with what's going on here. Um, I also would like to say that um, my understanding is that uh, Ella road is like an award winning queer writer. Um, and I did not feel anything of her in this episode. Um, I, I mean, uh, granted, I have no point of reference for her actual writing abilities, but like, you know, at other times when Chibnall has done these sort of co-writing credits, you can sort of see where he is and where the co-writer is in these episodes. Um, and in this one, it just it just felt like a Chris Chibnall script. Yeah, it, it, this feels like an out-and-out Chibnall episode. Like, it, 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 I don't see any sense of another writer in this. Um... And that's really disappointing because actually he shouldn't be writing the show at all. James, final thoughts <laughs> and um, Legend of the Sea Devils, more like Legend of the Sea D episode. D, you're giving it a D. C is in C is in C, like S E A, but D is in D, the letter grading. I got there in the yeah. end. Yeah. No. But yeah. <laughs> sure <laughs> and oh let's say mo say 
Um, yeah, D is definitely it? a fair grade. I could, I would go to give it an even lower grade than that, but I don't think if I think if we gave it an F, that would be really bad. Well, it would just be. Did we give the end of Flux an F? If we didn't, we should have. Yeah. Um, and that's our episode on Legend of the Sea Devils. Excellent. Hi-ho and a bottle of silver rum. I, I don't know how that goes. Um, we are... Well, okay, so I guess where we're at as a show, mm. um, we have one Chris Gymnall episode left. This is very exciting times. Mm. I think we're going to have to wait like six months to see it, um, but at least it will be done once it's done. Um, so in that regard, fantastic. Yeah. Um, you are listening to this on the 20th. This is, like we're only recording this the day before, which is very unusual for us. Um, so in two weeks time, you will have our episode on the two little weird RTD specials um, before David Tennant's big finale and those are cold. Actually, James, uh, there's three specials we've yet to release. So this is going out uh, today on the 20th for you guys, um, you folks. And then we'll do... Uh, we, we're getting it to the last of the David Tennant run. So after that, we'll do a double episode on The Next Doctor and Planet of the Dead. Uh, the Waters of Mars after that, which I'm very much looking forward to. And then straight mm, to the David so. Tennant finale, End of Time. Um it coincidentally, the, the first yes. Doctor Who, modern Doctor Who story to be parts one and two. Oh, you mean, are they titled like yeah. part one, part yeah. two? Oh, I see. I see. I see. Okay. What a fun bit of trivia. Thanks, Cal. <laughs> You're welcome, <laughs> audience. Um, um, yeah. So probably after we do the the end of RTD's run, um, we, we might pop our, our Thasman episode in there. Um, we might do it right before the Centennial, Centenary special. We're not, we're not entirely sure yet. Um, so uh, keep an eye out for that one. And then we are into into the Moffat era, which um, time is, is really being quite kind to. Uh, and I'm very excited to talk about it. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to get into this era of Who and, um, and really start on something new and fresh. Anyway, as always, thank you for listening to us each and every fortnight here on Two Hearts, A New Who podcast. Uh, if you would like, uh, please drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to, uh, the show. It, it really cannot be overstated how much it helps us grow and, and, and improve our audience. And it just generally makes us feel good about the, um, the show we're making here. Uh, if you want to have your thoughts and feelings aired on the show, uh, please feel free to reach out at two hearts podcast at gmail.com. Um, or if you just have something quick and, and snappy, you want to share Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at two hearts pod. And that's two the number two. Uh, I have been Callum and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at theatric Callum. And I've been James. You can find me on Twitter at OMG More James. Uh, Till next week. <laughs> Sorry, I went ah, and then my, my throat started acting up, and I thought I was about to splutter into the microphone. Have a good night, folks. Bye. <laughs>